Good morning, Northgate. This Sunday, let's pray and ask God to bless his word, that he would be in our midst, that we knew he was here with us whenever we're watching this video. So Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, just pray, God, that you would be with us, speaking to us, teach us. Lord, we pray this in your precious name. Amen. So we've been journeying through 1 Corinthians last week in chapter 13. We did that powerful, central, climatic chapter, chapter 13, all about agape love. And if you weren't live, you could watch the recording, but I really encourage that. Just believe that message was for our day and age, a day of division and strife a day of difficulty in the season we're in. And the answer is love, agape, the more excellent way. We know that God is love and Jesus is the perfect demonstration of that love. Love is a fruit of the Spirit and something that we want to flow through us. We want the Holy Spirit to empower us and produce that love in our lives. So, so important and again, another week of just seeing people hunkering down in their positions. And love is the better way. But as we journey through Corinthians, we know that there was much faction and division for many reasons in that church. And that's why Paul led up to that chapter. But now he's going to continue in chapter 14 to deal with some other issues. We know in chapter 12, he was talking about spirituals. We know the word gifts aren't in there. That was in italics. But these spiritual abilities that the church in Corinth had. We know very clearly that they were blessed because in chapter 1, it says they were full of amazing blessings. They were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. And they came short in no gift. None of these gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 that we talked about, words of wisdom and prophecy and miracles and healings they had them all but there was a problem uh, they were disunified in the gifts they weren't acting as a healthy body but also there was no order in their meeting together so Paul's not saying these spirituals are bad these gifts are bad but rather saying how they were demonstrating them and using them not being a body and how in chapter 14 that there was no order in their service. So what he's going to do is talk about two primary gifts that were probably out of order, one specifically tongues, and he's going to talk about prophecy as well and what it looks like for a church to be in order as it gathers together. So he starts off by saying, pursue love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may be prophesying. And if you look at in the Greek, and I looked in the Greek when he is saying this idea of pursue love, it is the central focus we know from chapter 13. And the wording can be chase love, like go after love, because that's the foundation and without love, we realized all our gifts, all our spirituals profit nothing. But with love, we can edify one another 
with our supernatural natural abilities, especially to prophesy, which we know is foretelling or foretelling God's word. So he's very clear that they are to chase love first and foremost. That's like an active thing that never stops, always pursuing agape, but then to be zealous for these spiritual things in our lives that we might edify others. Now, the wording in Greek too, when it comes to that idea of being zealous for these gifts is, it's interesting, boiling or boiling over. And it's ready. When something's boiling, you know, when you're doing spaghetti, you wait for the water to boil. It's it's boiling over. Or people say that you're you're close to boiling over your temper. So we want to be in the place where we're chasing love and our gifts are ready to be used. They're boiling over. They're coming to the surface uh, to edify the body of Christ. And what a beautiful picture for this Corinthian church that was not in order and things were not understood and people were elevating themselves. He says, listen, chase actively love agape defined in chapter 13. It is the only thing in terms of motivation that matters, but be ready, be zealous, be boiling over to use your spirituals to edify the body of Christ. Now, specifically, he gets into tongues here. And he says in verse 2, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, he goes on to uh, compare that to prophecy in verse 3, But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Now, different people have different opinion on tongues, whether they still exist or not. And we don't want to cause division about that. Here at Northgate, we simply say the gifts, uh, we believe in all the gifts, but in order. And Paul here gives a little clarity. Tongues is to edify because it's a language that only God would understand. So without interpretation, he's saying it's not useful. He's not saying it's not a gift. He's saying it's not useful to speak in tongues in a public meeting, whereas prophecy has tremendous <coughs> uh, use because it home builds, it edifies. Words that are understood edify. It exhorts, uh, another Greek word for that, it consoles, it comforts. And you can see how prophecy does that when we hear from God, from his word, or we hear a message from God to us, how that builds us up, how that consoles us, how it comforts us. Just a biblical example, you look at Revelation, that God's word to John, which he shared to the churches in the midst of their persecution, they were built up that Christ is in control, that God will be victorious, that there is a plan. They were exhorted to live for Christ, to endure in the midst of persecution. So they were consoled and exhorted, but yet comforted, knowing in the midst of all the difficulty that God was going to work and he was coming to save them in the midst of awful tribulation. Now, what a wonderful picture of what prophecy does. Now, you take that into our lives and 
how God's word told to us, foretold, or specifically revealing to us what he wants to say in our lives can have amazing power when we hear and understand what he's saying. It changes as he reveals things. And man, we know he is real and powerful and the edification is amazing. So Paul is saying in this chapter, listen, you're out of order. People can't understand what you're saying. Tongues is real, but probably it's to God and probably should be used to edify yourself in a personal way, not in the corporate way, unless there is a way to interpret or a person with that gift where they can speak edification to the body. But compared to that prophecy, which you should boil over in, desire for your life, be zealous for, all on the foundation of love, will edify the whole church. So our gathering together should be for the edifying of the body. What an important thing. And this week I've been thinking about the gathering of the church. We gather outside in this strange season because it's difficult to gather inside with regulations. But soon we'll have to go inside. And it's easy to say, well, I don't need to gather. I can be alone. But I think scripture would encourage us to gather together because there's corporate power and edification in the use of these gifts for each of us to grow. And I think that's why Hebrews 10 says, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints because in there you can push or urge one another on to good works. And I know sometimes in my life, to be honest, it's like, if it's difficult, I don't necessarily want to do it. And I want to speak to what is the gathering? Jesus said very clearly, when two or three are gathered in my name, that I am in their midst. And these things, these supernatural, natural gifts, especially prophecy, foretelling, foretelling God's word, can be used one to another as we gather together. But meeting with fellow believers is crucial for us being edifying and growing. But we have to have the ability to understand one another. Are tongues bad? Absolutely not. Spiritual language, it says to God, not to men, unless there's an interpretation. So it edifies me, but it doesn't edify the body. But when we speak to one another the truth of God's word, and he goes on in verse uh, 6 to say whether that's revelation, knowledge, prophecy, or teaching, when we're gathered together, we are edified built up, strengthened as we meet together, whatever the number, to go out to do the work of the Lord. Such a, a powerful, powerful thought. And as he continues in the rest of the chapter, he's just going to make his point clear in terms of languages uh, with tongues. If I don't know Japanese and you speak Japanese to me, it doesn't help me <laughs> to go to a service where everyone's speaking Japanese or Chinese or German. I don't know that language. It's not going to edify me. So Paul says that is not a good thing if no one can understand. There needs to be order. And if there is this tongue, this supernatural language that is directed towards God, there has to be 
that interpretation. So he's language or music. He says an instrument, if it's not playing the notes clearly, how can we hear and understand? Maybe that's how I play music. It makes no sense. If I go to the piano and just pound out stuff, you're going to be like, that sounds awful. I don't understand it. It makes no sense. So we, in terms of the gift, need to edify what people can understand. Again, are tongues real? Should we desire to speak to God and be edified? Sure. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all prophesy? No. Do all teach? No. But as we use each of us, our gifts, as we gather together, we are edified whatever God has given us as we can understand and grow in him. And in verse 15, what is the conclusion? I always like when books say here's the conclusion or a lesson is the conclusion. But of this thought, Paul says, what is the conclusion then in verse 15 of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians? I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen? And you're giving thanks since he does not understand what you say. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Are tongues bad? Conclusion? No. Does Paul desire speaking tongues? Yes. In the corporate body, no interpretation. He'd rather speak few words that are understandable to edify the body that people could understand and grow in that truth. And as I read this again, our meeting is so crucial together that we can be edified, built up, consoled, comforted by what God is saying to us through revelation, teaching, prophecy, all of these things that we can grow. In Ephesians 4, I see that, that we're to be equipped, to be edified, to be built up for the work that God has given us. We go to church to grow, to be built up for the week ahead that we may step into what God has called us to do. He goes on to say again in verses 20 through 24, tongues and what they can be used for. Uh, and then he prophecy, but I just kind of want to bear down on verse 25 because as we're at church, and we're understanding and we're hearing gifts and people are prophesying, giving revelations, teaching, all of these things. And we know the Holy Spirit's there. Love is the foundation and love is working. It says this in verse 25, as people come in, thus the secrets of the heart are revealed. And so falling down, on his face, he will worship God and report, God is truly among you. As believers, we want to meet together and be able to say, God is truly among us. That we have heard from God. That we sense God's presence as we corporately meet whatever the number together and basically, we fall and worship him and say, God, you are so great. 
Have you had those times in a meeting or a gathering at some point in your life where the Holy Spirit has spoke to you through his word or through his Holy Spirit and no one else knew it, only you knew it, but yet the Holy Spirit spoke to you. I know as I've taught sometimes, people will come to me and say, Pastor, how did you know? Or speak a word of prophecy, Pastor, how did you know? And I can say, I didn't know, but our God is so great and he is here in our midst that he knew and he is calling out to you and he wants to edify you and he is real and he is working and his word is amazing and his Holy Spirit is active and when we gather and when we meet together it's not for division or our opinion but it's to hear the truth of God in our lives. And oh, if we meet on this yard or in Farrell Hall or in our homes or with believers together in a moment or at a dinner and we can say, wow, God is in our midst. God is here. His presence is here. His word is here. We see it as he's speaking through people and we understand it. And it truly is amazing. It's a special verse for me here, but there's one that's even more special that relates, and that's in Ezekiel 44.4. And those who have been coming to Northgate for a long time will know when I was in New Jersey a long time ago trying to decide whether to come to Canada or not. I was a Canadian citizen and trying to fig figure out whether to come back home. I thought the Lord had called me and my family to come back to, to begin a church or ministry. I didn't even know. I just sensed it, but I wouldn't have left without some form of confirmation of people or confirmation of God's word. And I can remember one day as I was fasting and praying, uh, I was probably grumpy because I always get grumpy when I fast. And I was in my office, I was on staff at the church in New Jersey. And I thought, I'm just gonna work through my regular readings of the day. And there it was, I was reading through Ezekiel. Ezekiel 44, and I wouldn't say that uh, that's the most exciting of all chapters. But as I sat there, it was as if God spoke to me and this is the verse that I was on that day in my devotions. It says this in Ezekiel 44, 4. He brought me by way of the north gate to the front of the temple. So I looked and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house and I fell on my face. When you say, well, Pastor Dan, how does that relate to this? I know when God called me by way of the north gate to come, one of the things that has been heavy on my heart, as we gather with anyone who would choose to come, I believe the promise is, as God's word is the foundation, as love is our motivation, as the spiritual, we can put gifts or just spirituals, are being used to edify one another for the glory of God, his presence comes and his glory comes and it fills the house no matter where we're meeting. It's not the physical house. It's wherever we are. It's not one house. It's where the believers are. And we cannot stand but to say, God, you're so good. We're going to worship you. We're going to praise you. We're going to be edified by you your glory, your character, your presence is here. And that's what truly changes us. 
And isn't that what we all desire? And I know coming here in that verse, the North Gate, I was more in the South coming in the North. For what purpose? That God's glory would come as people gathered together. Man, and we would just in humility, in submission, in praise, fall on our face and say, God, wow. Because when God's presence is with us, there is nothing greater. One day in his presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. David would say in the Old Testament, in his presence is perfect joy. There is joy in his presence. There's everything we need spiritually, which affects our emotions and our physical being to continue when he is there, when his presence, when his love, his word, and his Holy Spirit free to work to edify one another in our gathering. Wow. Praise God. And that's why gathering is so important for the church. I'm not saying how we should gather, but we need to be gathering in the truth of God for his spirit to work, motivated by love, in freedom to use our gifts, understandable to all, that people would know God is here. Corinthian church, they need to be in order. They were in disorder. No one could understand. Is tongues wrong? No, tongues is great. But without interpretation, it's no use. It doesn't allow for God to speak. Prophecy is better. Revelation, teaching, these are things God's word spoken to us is better that we would know as he reveals things as we understand them and we can say, God, you are amazing. This morning, video is very difficult. I've struggled with video. I'm preaching to the couch in a few pillows here. But Holy Spirit, would you speak through this screen that people would know that we are in God's presence. And God knows you and he loves you. And he's speaking to you and he wants to edify you. He wants to console you. He wants to comfort you. And we pray that his presence would do that this morning. Oh Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. May we chase after love and may we be ready to use our gifts to edify the body of Christ. No matter how we meet, where we meet, Lord, we wanna do it in order so we understand one another. But may your glory fall. May you reveal things in our lives. May you convict us. May you encourage us. Lord, we wanna say, we wanna feel, we wanna know we want to understand you in our presence. Lord, we love you today. We give you all glory. May your glory fall. We pray this in your presence, in your name. Amen. Have a great week. Be blessed. Enjoy Jesus. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.